Howdy, online family. Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Ryan Gagnon. We're going to be hearing today from Pastor Todd McQueen as he continues our latest sermon series, The Co-Mission, God's Work Through Moses and Joshua. We've prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting that community here on the internet. We hope God uses it both to encourage and challenge you. We also ask you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. We've been learning a lot these past few weeks about the co-mission Jesus has called us to. We've learned that there will be trials and that we are called to do it together with other people, clinging to them and the Holy Spirit for support. Pastor Todd has challenged us to be intentional in our actions. This has truly been a challenging study. Now we will see what makes this co-mission from Jesus so special. What makes it different from all the other things we could be doing with our lives? Let's listen in together as we learn from Exodus that God makes our co-mission distinct. Well, good morning, church. We're continuing in our series this morning, Co-Missioned, and we're on mission for God as a team, and we're empowered to do that by the Holy Spirit. And we've seen a short glimpse of how those, there will be challenges that come about. This morning, we're going to cover a whole lot of territory, and I hope you brought your running shoes. It's going to be a workout. But I, as I studied for this, I'm like, i got to keep the context, got to tell the story. There are ups and downs in our lives of following Jesus. There's ups and downs as leadership and those who follow. There are really highs and there's really lows. Because God has said, I want a relationship with you. And Israel was stuck in Egypt and God rescued them on his initiative. Established that relationship with them on his own accord. Illustrated to the world that I'm powerful enough to do that. Jesus has done that for us. Jesus rescued us, died for us, and we didn't even know him when we hated him. Then he raises from the dead in victory over sin and death, and he says, hey, I have a gift to offer you if you would accept it. If you choose to follow Jesus, then you accept that, and he is the Lord of your life. What about sin that creeps in after that, when the going gets tough? God says, hey, I want to take you on this mission together. There'll be highs and lows. So as we go through the story of Israel this morning, where are you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you working through with leadership on how to lead others to do that? Are you following well enough to be able to deal with sin as it comes in through the people and the leadership? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 24, page 52 in your story Bible. Let's look at the highs. When the commission is in process and things are really going well. Page 52 in your story Bible. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 24. Then he, God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. 
Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And the people answered with one voice and said, All the words the Lord has spoken we will do. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men the people of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. <clears throat> then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief of the men, chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let them go to them. Then Moses went up onto the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So in the Exodus, where we are here, things are going really well. Remember, Moses had a problem. He had too much burden to carry. So what did he ask for? Help! And he got 70 leaders. And the Holy Spirit was given to them to empower the mission together. So God says, hey, I want to have a special meeting with you guys. We're going to have a spiritual retreat. We're going to go halfway up the mountain, and we're going to see God. So Moses, knowing this, if you are a leader and you're getting ready to take 70-plus people on a vacation to a spiritual retreat, what would you do before you went? Hey, let's study God's Word and let's get ready to go on the retreat. So Moses brings everybody together. And what did he do? He brought them together. He taught God's Word. And with one voice, what did the people there say? Two times in your text. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Sounds like a good Sunday afternoon right before lunch, doesn't it? Wow, that bearded guy preached again. I don't know if I like him or not, but what he preached, we're going to do. Don't raise hands, but how many of you said that? Twice in the text they say that. Moses must have been an incredible preacher to preach through Leviticus, and everybody says, yeah, we're going to do that. Woohoo! So they have a worship service. They have sacrifices. They have remembrance stones. They put up monuments for this. It's a great worship service. And they're reading God's Word, interacting with God's Word. Then Moses takes them on a spiritual retreat. Seventy leaders and Joshua to see God. Did you notice the little uh, verse in there that reminded you of Revelation? 
The throne room of God, where the heaven, the floor is like sapphire. Man, they've had this, they've got prepared, they go on this retreat to meet God, and then they get to see God, and they get to eat and drink while they're there. Whoa! Who would sign up for that retreat? Everybody? Everybody would. I know I would. So then God says, hey, I want to have a special meeting with you, a special retreat with you, Moses. So you come on up. So who does he take? So let's pretend the people are all the way down here at the bottom of the mountain. He takes the 70 about halfway. Who does he take with him three-quarters of the way, let's say? Josh. Second. Josh. I know, Josh, i got to go see God, he says. But I want you to leave this 70 and come on up. And I'll drop you off here. And Moses is gone on top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, in full view of everybody, what is the picture of God on the mountain? What does your text say? A fire. It appeared to be a devouring fire on top of this mountain. What a retreat! What a time with the people. What a time for everybody down below to say, hey, our leadership is going on vacation for a minute. I wonder if it'll be any good. Well, yeah, look. It's on fire. The mountain's on fire. In full view of all this happening, is this a great time to be a part of the Club Israel? Yeah. Things are going well. So let's recap real quick. God calls for a meeting with the leadership. Moses prepares the leaders. And the people in preparing for this meeting have a worship service with teaching and preaching and sacrifices. The leadership goes on the mountainside retreat together to go see God, to hang out together. Moses goes on to do a solo retreat, leaving Joshua partway. And also, when Moses leaves, he assigns responsibility and authority to the 70, and especially to two. Hey, Josh and I are going to be gone, so if you have a complaint, which people normally do, here's the phone number, email address for the people to call. Then Moses goes on his retreat, and when he does, the mountain catches on fire. That's leadership going well. That's people following well. That is a spiritual high. That is, whoo, sign me up. Then in in the intervening chapters to where we're going to go, there's more information on the rules of the law. God's relationship says, hey, here's I want a relationship with you. Here's how you pay for sin. And here's how you have a relationship with me. Have a relationship with other. Now skip your fingers over to chapter 32. And we'll continue the story here. And and chapter 32 is what we read this morning. People saw that Moses was delayed. 40 days. So they turned to Aaron. And they asked, hey, we want to worship again. Make us something to do that. We don't know what happened to the guy who led us out of Egypt. So Aaron takes a special offering and answers the request and gives him something to worship. People assigned to that idol God's work. 
and they have a celebration party of epic proportions. I challenge you to study when it says in your text they rose to eat and sat down to play. That's edited for children's ears. How many of you have heard this story before? The golden calf. Let me break it down to you this way. Modern day. Just coming up with an idea. Pastor goes on a long spiritual treat, a long due vacation. The congregation has had changes they really wanted to make. They're not changes just for changes, but they're pet peeve things. Man, that carpet's worn out. I want new carpet. We need banjo. We need hymns that are all, the youngest are only 200 years old. So they at least they buy special hymnals that are at least the hymns are over 200 years. They are going to sing those bad boys. Everything that they have really wanted becomes an idol in their heart because if we just had this change, I would love it there more. So the pastor's on vacation, so they come to the assistant pastor and say, hey, here's these things we want to do. So the pastor's like, assistant pastor wants to get revoted, right? Wants to have a good fan club. Says, sure, let's do a fundraiser. Let's buy new hymnals. Bam! In no time flat, checks are written. The money comes flowing in. There's a new sound system. There's new lighting. The carpet's been fixed. And when these things get, meet the people's needs, what they think are the special hot points for them, that they've idolized this change forever, they have this blow-up, wonderful worship service. What are they worshiping? God or the changes getting their way? This is a modern-day example of a golden calf. Because if I asked you this morning, hey, Sarah, you got some pretty earrings there. Let's get those. You want something to worship? And I melted them and made that and set it up here on Sunday. You'd be like, that is stupid. But if we had a fundraiser for all these cool things that people in their heart had made an idol, because if they had it their way, things would go better. Then they're given those things, and they worship the idea of the things more than the Lord on a Sunday. This is real deal. This happens a ton. Now, when God sees this, how do things turn out? And the better question is, in the story of the golden calf, who allowed the golden calf? I need to hear a name. Aaron. Aaron's a spiritual leader. He allowed it to happen. In the modern day example, who allowed it to happen? The assistant pastor. Who does God come for? What are the consequences of this? Glad you asked. We're going to continue with that. Because leadership is going to find out. Moses is on his spiritual retreat with God on top of the mountain that's on fire, right? So imagine you're the pastor, you're the leader, and you're on this retreat, you're on vacation finally, and you get an email. The church is blown up while you're gone. 
they done lost their minds. Moses is seeing God like we see in Revelation, and God breaks in and says, wait, I've got an update. CNN just broke through. Go. Your people have sinned. What's God asking Moses to do? Not only does he tell them what it is, but he says, wait, do what? Just sit up here with me? Go. You got work to do. So the mission of leadership is not only to find out what the sin problem is, but then to continue leading after you see that it's a problem. Do you understand how hard that is? How many of you said to your kids, you don't know, I'm going to give them a spanking, but this hurts me worse than it hurts you? For some reason, my mom said that all the time. My dad, not so much, but my mom did, right? The leadership sees the sin, and they have to continue leading. It's going to be painful. There is going to be discipline. It's going to be hard from here on out. i got to go down there and talk to Aaron. And God says, leave me alone, Moses. I'm about to consume the people in my wrath. Do you believe God's word this morning when God said that? Who's he upset at? The people, which people? Is it the Jebusites? Is it the Hibusites? Is it whateverites? Israelites. He's upset at his own people enough to do what to them? Some Star Trek kind of stuff. <laughs> Bug zapper. God's wrath is real. The consequences for sin are real. And they're real, the consequences are real towards God's people. Peter wrote that discipline starts in the household of God first. It's not your atheist neighbor who plays their music too loud at 2 a.m., it's the household. So God's wrath is real. So Moses deals with the people. After he says, remember God. Remember this, the song we sang this morning? Remember your people. Remember your promise. I was so thankful when Pastor Michael picked that song. Moses was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know you're mad. But remember, you're the one that made this promise. When you sang that this morning, did you look back on the sin of the last week or the, what's entered in your life and begged God, remember me, remember the promise that you've made? Remember your reputation, God. Remember the agreement you made with your people. And at this time, in the leadership, what is God doing with Mo? He's forcing him to shepherd the jacked up people. He's forcing him to interact with God on the spiritual retreat. Yeah, the first part must have been awesome. The second part, God's like, we're going to take it to level 10. We're going to do some leadership development. I'm going to force you to interact with me. I'm going to force you to go back to what is basic. Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. Jesus rose again and has promised to return. Love them like that and remind them of that agreement that I made with them. 
And the pastor's prayer, when everything is blowing up, is, God, what are you doing? He's like, remember. Remember the agreement. And Moses is like, hey, if you don't forgive him, just check me out of this. Have you led or been in the home where you've been so frustrated with the kids or whatever is going on at work, you just want to hand in your resignation? The pastor prays for God to work, to forgive, to remember that Jesus died and rose again to cover their sins. But what the main thing that Moses prays for, God, may your name be lifted high. It's not about just necessarily solving the problem. It's about lifting God's reputation in the community. Because how do you think the neighbors of Israelite, the Israelites would have thought of Israel? The church members have sinned big time, and God has disciplined them, so the neighborhood thinks what? What? That's just another bunch of hypocrites acting like fools. The lead pastor, the leadership, the deacons, deaconesses are praying, God, help us to fix this because the neighborhood's going to find out that we stumbled again. And it's not done because in Exodus 32, 15 through 20 on page 58, the saga continues. Turn to chapter 32, verses 15 through 20. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, one on the front, one on the back. They were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it's not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat but the sound of the singing I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them on the, at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire, ground it to powder, and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Woo! Moses grabs God's word and Joshua and heads down the mountain. He, the pastor's done with vacation. He's back in the car, and he's driving back. Picks up the, this, the guy that is going to replace him on the way. And while they're on the way, the assistant pastor says, this must be the problem. He misidentifies it. Joshua misses it. Joshua, the military leader, thinks all the rising, the play, and all the partying going on is the sound of war. And Moses is like, you got it wrong. In the leadership development, it is so hard to look at what are the after effects and correctly assess where the sin is, if there is one. So hard. Joshua misses it. Moses knows what it is because he's spent time with God and God has told him and God has forced him to interact with this before he picks up Joshua. So Moses takes action against the sin. It's pretty drastic, isn't it? So we bought this new sound system because it was an idol, and so what do we do with it? We took it to the burn heap, we burned it, and we made the people that really won that drink it. (laughs) 
But you notice what happened to Moses during that? What does God's word say about his temper? What's he say? He burned hot. Hot. And he broke the tablets. And listen to me well. Moses' burning hot was legit. But you have to be careful when you lead that your reaction to sin isn't sinful. There's a difference between beating a kid and disciplining a kid, right? There is a difference between disciplining somebody at work and then just getting so ticked off that you just fire them for a minor offense, right? It is so hard when you're following God and the people in which you're leading willfully choose to sin and be so aggravated over that sin that it's easy to sin. I've done this. It's hard. Because then as a leader, you're trying to teach people that their sin, they need to take care of that, and you sinned against them, and you got then the mix gets even crazier. But you can see the real deal story of Moses here. He's so upset that he has led these people out, and within 40 days, they've made an idol and worshipped it. Would you be upset too? Yeah. Then in 32, verse 21, And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So I said to them, Then if you have gold, take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it in the fire, and I'll pop this calf. <laughs> so Moses confronts the leader when he gets back, Right? What does, what does Aaron say to Moses? A half-truth is a whole what? Lie. He comes up with his cover-up. So now the assistant that he set in charge is half-truthing, whole lying to cover it up. I love the humor of the Bible. Well, oh, popped an idol. Nuh-uh. God recorded the text. You kind of carved that, Aaron. And look at your text. Moses sees the people had done what? Broke loose. The animals were let loose. The chains were broke. The inhibitions were gone. It's too much vodka at 2 a.m. Aaron, you let them break loose. Where does the first point of contact when Moses gets back go to? Aaron. You let him broke loose. You allowed it. So Moses calls the Levites. 
the Levites. We normally think of them as the ones who serve in the temple as sacrifices. What is the first job of the Levites? According to your text, look at at your Bible. Tell me what the first job for the Levites was. What they put on their hip, swords. Where'd they go? They went through the crowd. And what'd they do? Huh? They swung it. And what were the after effects of the swinging? They killed people. And how many? 3,000. Does God take sin seriously? Yes, He does. The first job of the Levites is to discipline God's people, and it was capital punishment. God says over and over in His Word, do not worship anything ahead of me. And he repeats it over and over again. He's really serious about it. So the people do this. They're allowed to break loose. They worship another God. And the discipline of the spiritual leadership is to kill them. How many of you would have voted for that? Then the, Moses confronts the people then with their sin and goes to God and says, yep, they super sinned. That they really did it. So the leadership has disciplined the leader. He has gotten the people and they're going to discipline the group. And then he goes back to God and says, yeah, they, we've really, really sinned. Remember your promises, O oh God. Forgive them. And God responds with, I will deal with the people. Now go to work. Again, go to work. You see how this is working through here. Spiritual retreat. God says that people are sinning when he's gone. The spiritual retreat sends the leader back down the mountain to deal with these things. Leadership? And who's right there alongside Moses during all this? Joshua is. Go lead. Is God done with his discipline? Look at verse 35. We've had 3,000 people die, which seems pretty, pretty extreme. Then what's God do? Verse 35. Sends a plague. More people die. Things are not going well. Move to chapter 33 with me. Verses 1 through 3, and then we'll skip to verse 12. Then the Lord says to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. And verse 2, I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Persites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. God tells Moses to go now and do what? All this crazy time has happened. What does God ask Moses to do? Lead more. Take them to the promised land. But what little asterisk does God put on there? 
I'm not going. I'm going to send an angel. Let's read Moses' response to that news. Move over to verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider this too, that this nation is your people. And God responds to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses responds, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? So Moses goes to God and says, we got a problem. Because God said, hey, go lead the people to the promised land. I'll even send a good angel and they'll clear these out people, but I'm not going. So Moses' response to God is, what? What? The discipline before was rather severe, but you're going to bail on me now? We've got a serious problem. You want me to lead? No way. Not without you. If you're not going, then who? And I like this part. Moses doesn't stop there. He says, you say you know me. I get that. If that's true, I want to know you. Because you promised this. How many of us have prayed that way to God? You say you know me. You say you know what it's like to hurt as a mom. You say you know what it's like to be, this, be like this this week. You said that you wouldn't abandon me or leave me. I want to know you now. How many of you prayed that? I have. And we cry out to God, I want to know you. Show me you. Meet me in this wounded time. Can you think of a more rock bottom spot than Moses could be in right now and Joshua watching? All the chaos, all the obituaries to write. From the spiritual high to the incredible spiritual low. God, what? God is working in an amazing way to Moses to get him to this spot where God forces him with brokenness upon brokenness, wounding him in super wounded time, to cry out and say, show me who you are. And God answers, I'll go. How many of us have been broken to the point that God promising just to be there is enough? 
In typical Moses fashion, he's not done. Moses says, it's not about us at all then. It's not about us when we got it right. It's not about us when we got it all wrong. It's all about what? You, God. God being with us is what truly makes us distinct, he says. This, what makes Israel so special is God being with them, not them being with God. Think about it this morning. Is you being here this morning make God happy? You're fulfilling your duty to be spiritual. That the growth of Grace Church at Ocala is because how much you're putting into it or not. Or how much you've done well or how much you've fallen on your face in super duper sin. Or is what makes this little church body special is that God's presence is here. It's inverted. It starts at the moment you decide to follow Jesus. Am I enlarged and in charge and the world revolves around me and I am special? Or is it God who is special and wants to be present with me? Because God makes our co-mission distinct. We are special because of God working in us, not because of what we've done well or if we've done wrong. Now let's put some feet to this. Ready? How will we as a church deal with sin? It happens. It will happen again. We have a relationship with Jesus because He forgave our sin. And we can have a relationship with Him. When we sin, it affects people next to us. And forgiving them and interacting with them is because Jesus has forgiven us. But it will happen. Somebody will sin. There will be problems. And there will be leadership that will maybe stub their toe. How will you, as a person who's followed Jesus with the Holy Spirit living in you, interact when that happens? Call for a vote. Make them resign. Get on Facebook and say, blah, blah, blah. personally go to the person and say, hey, how can we work this out? What is going on? I refuse to give you a clear-cut, great example of where this is going to happen, but I'm just saying get ready for it. You will have to deal with it, or you do the American way. You pick up your stuff. You go get a membership in a different church, and the junk happens there too, but you just pretend it doesn't. 
Family, we will have to interact with this. Are we that much different than the Israelites? Do we make idols all the time? Do we have to crush them on the way to Sunday morning service because we worshiped something else other than God in the last week? Also, will when that sin happens, will it stop the mission that God has set us on? Tyler, I need you to think hard about this one. This was complicated. The consequences of sin will throw roadblocks in the way of the mission getting out there. Right? This isn't Disney World where the trash is hidden and everything is uber expensive and you're paid to, you pay big money to stand in line and enjoy yourself. Right? This is church. You're going to see the trash. You're going to see people as you get to know them in relationship. There will be sin. The mission will continue because God's presence is what makes us distinct. But there will be roadblocks when things get slowed down. Was this a good day for Israel? What was in the Jebusite Gazette? Stupid Israel's died by 3,000. Then a plague hits them. Sin will not stop the mission, but it will definitely have consequences which are severe. Do churches close because of sin? Yes. Listen to me well here. God is building his kingdom and not necessarily this address. So if you worship the building and the chairs and this place, what, God, what could God do to the place where you consider that's your worship spot? Burn it down! Now, do I like this place? Yeah, there's a lot of grass to mow here pretty soon. Dry, yeah, there's our maintenance. Yeah, is the air conditioner broke. Yeah. And you put time and effort and blood into that thing. But is that why we're here? Oh. Okay. And finally, what makes Grace Church Ocala's mission? And what is the mission again? Make disciples. I'm going to say that one more time because you all wake up. I want to hear that louder. What is our mission here? Make disciples. What makes that dis- the disciple making special? God's, pr- God's present. He said, I'll go with you. And guess what? We're going to read that. Jesus says that. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the internet, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.